Theology for the Rest of Us is brought to you by Blue Sky Missions. Are you an individual looking to go on a mission trip? Or a church leader wanting to take your group overseas? We all know that planning mission trips can be tough. Blue Sky makes it easy. Learn more at blueskymissions.org. You're listening to Theology for the Rest of Us. You've got tough questions. We'll try to give you easy answers. Now, here's your host, Kenny Ortiz. Hello, welcome back to Theology for the Rest of Us. This is Kenny Ortiz, and today we are tackling a very important topic, and that is the Trinity. I've been asked a bunch of times, Kenny, I don't understand this Trinity thing. What is it exactly? How can we understand it? Is it in the Bible? So we're going to answer all of that. Uh, First off the bat, I just want to say the word Trinity does not appear anywhere in Scripture. However, the concept of the Trinity is clearly in Scripture, and I will point that out. I'll highlight that. Basically, the Trinity is simply a word that describes something is in the Bible. We do this a lot in theology. There are concepts and truths that are clearly in Scripture, but they can be maybe more complex. So we try to come up with words to help people understand. And the word Trinity is a word that points to the Trinitarian nature of God or his triune nature. And that simply means that there is one God, but he exists in multiple persons. The first person of the Trinity is God the Father. The second person of the Trinity is Jesus Christ, the Son. He came to planet Earth. The third member of the Trinity is the Holy Spirit. The idea that God is a triune being, or that he is Trinitarian. Now, this can be extremely confusing because to us, we don't exist this way. So it's hard for us to ever imagine it, right? God is one being, a divine being, and he exists in three persons. But we as human beings, we are one human being, and we exist in one person. Like I am the, I am a human being, and I exist in the person of Kenny Ortiz. But God is one being who has the ability to do something that I cannot do, and that is to exist in more than one person. And I want to make it clear, we believe in one God. Sometimes people ask, well, do you believe in more than one God? No. One God and one God alone. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4 The Lord your God is one. We believe in one God, but that one God has the ability to do something that we do not have the ability to do. Now, sometimes people are like, that doesn't make sense, and therefore they reject it because they don't understand it. Listen, if I could understand everything about God, then he certainly would not be worthy of my worship. If God was so small that my puny brain could fully comprehend everything about him, I wouldn't be wowed by him. I wouldn't be in awe of him. He wouldn't be that special. But the fact that God is bigger than me and transcends my understanding is partially evidence that he is worthy of my worship. God is big. He's awesome. He's so complex. He's magnificent. My puny human brain is not going to get it. My my puny human brain is not going to understand everything about God. And the same is true for you. The reality is God is bigger than your brain, and therefore your brain is not going to fully understand everything about the character and nature and essence of the triune creator of the universe. So we know we're never going to fully understand how God exists in three persons. But of course, that doesn't stop many people from trying to use metaphors. And metaphors aren't bad. I like using metaphors a lot. However, all metaphors that try to teach us to understand the character and nature of the Godhead, 
the, the Trinitarian nature of God are simply inadequate. Let me, let me touch on a few of the more popular ones that are out there. People sometimes will compare the Trinity to water. And they'll say, look, the Trinity is like water. It can exist in three different ways. It can exist as a solid in ice, or it can be a liquid, or it can be as a vapor or steam. You see, that's like the Trinity. It's one thing, but it exists in different ways. And I want to say that that's a terrible metaphor for the Trinity because that metaphor is telling us that there is one God and one being in one person, but then he shifts himself and therefore he changes his form and he looks different. Sometimes God is the Father, sometimes he's the Son, sometimes he's the Holy Spirit, and he looks different. He appears in different manifestations. That's actually not true. That is not what the Bible teaches us. The Bible teaches us that God never changes. He's not a shapeshifter, right? He's not a member of the X-Men. God is always existing in three persons. So the idea that they would shift to different things is not an accurate metaphor. Now, within Christianity, the Trinity is typically a, a highly embraced and highly defended doctrine. But there is one segment of churches that do believe what is called the oneness doctrine, the oneness theory. And that's the idea that there is only one God, but he changes his shape, that he has different manifestations, that sometimes that there's, sometimes he appears as the Father, sometimes he appears as the Son, sometimes he appears as the Holy Spirit. And the water metaphor, metaphor then fits that doctrine, but the scripture does not point to that. And that's completely debunked, if I'm honest, just by reading through the New Testament. Right? If Jesus is continually praying and communing with the Father, if, if God is existing as Jesus on planet Earth, then there is no Father to talk to. So... Therefore, there's no, it doesn't make sense for Jesus to be praying to the Father. It's very clear in the Gospels that Jesus and the Father are distinct. Also, if you look through the book of Revelation, read through chapters 4, 5, and 6, we see this beautiful, magnificent picture of heaven as John is writing, and we clearly see that the Father God is sitting on the throne, and he is separate from the Lamb of God, Jesus. Both are being worshipped, both are being acknowledged as God, but they are separate from one another. And then you also see the Spirit of God being represented by candlesticks there in the book of Revelation. Beautiful picture. Go check it out. It is one God existing in three specific separate persons. Another very popular metaphor would be the egg metaphor. People say, well, look, see, an egg has three parts. It's the shell, it's the yellow, and it's the white. But that's a not a complete metaphor either because that's telling me that there are different parts. But the Trinity are not three parts. It's not like the Father is one-third of God and Jesus is one-third of God and the Holy Spirit is one-third of God. No, each person is the full embodiment of the complete God. Colossians 2.9 points to Jesus being the fullness of the Godhead in and of himself. We see in Philippians chapter 1 verse 2, God the Father is referred to as being the fullness of God. Also in John chapter 1, multiple times, Jesus is clearly referred to as being God. And then in Acts chapter 5 verse 3 and 4, Peter is talking to the church and he uses the term God and Holy Spirit interchangeably. It is clear that the apostle Peter believed the Holy Spirit by himself to be the fullness of God. So God is not split up into three parts. So the egg analogy doesn't work. I've also heard people say, oh, it's like a three-leaf clover. You know, there's three leaves to this clover, one being with three parts. Again, it's inaccurate because it doesn't give us the full picture of the Trinity. We as Orthodox Christians believe he exists in three equal persons. They are distinct. They have different personalities. They are unique from one another. They are not one-third God. Each one is fully God, and together they make up a full 
Godhead. A couple other passages of scripture you can check out. Genesis chapter 1, the creation account, when God is speaking about creating everything, when he gets to the part where he starts creating humans, God says, let us make man in our image. It's very clear in the English translation. Even clearer though, when you study the Hebrew, that God is speaking from a plural standpoint. God is speaking as if there are multiple people that are all completely in working to create everything. And so all three persons of the Godhead are creator. In fact, in scripture, Isaiah 64 refers to the Father being creator. John chapter one and Colossians one refer to Jesus being creator. And then the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God is considered the creator of everything in Job chapter 33 and again in Job 26. So those are some great verses. It's clear God is plural. He is creating everything. He says, let us. Another great passage to check out and study is Genesis chapter 18 and chapter 19. There are these three visitors that appear to Abraham and to Lot. These three visitors are actually the embodiment of God. It is God visiting in human form. It kind of gives us some insight into God being Trinitarian. So what we see within the Godhead is these three persons always functioning in perfect harmony, in perfect unity. We see consistently throughout the scripture that the members of the Godhead seeking to honor and glorify one another. We see the Father continuously giving credit to the Son and to the Spirit. We see the Spirit working on behalf of the Son and the Father. We see the Son continually glorifying and honoring the Father, even subordinating to the will of the Father and carrying out that which the Father asked him to do. We just continually see this incredibly beautiful harmony between all three of them. And I think it's imperative that we seek to understand elements of the character and nature of God because I think it speaks volumes in helping us understand how we should live our lives and in particular, how we correspond one another. There are a variety of things on planet Earth that God created to reflect the relationship within the Godhead. Marriage, the relationship between man and woman are supposed to reflect the harmony and the unity of the Godhead, the relationship of the church and Jesus, right? Between Jesus and his church, his bride, should be reflecting elements of the nature of the Godhead. And I think there are a bunch of other elements on our planet throughout creation that reflect elements of the Trinity. So when we deny the Trinity or we say it's not important or it doesn't matter, then we run the risk of misunderstanding those things. If we understand the Trinity, it gives us huge insight into how marriage should function. If we understand the Trinity, it gives us huge insight as to how the church should function. If we understand the Trinity, it gives us huge insight as to how we should treat our fellow man. We may not ever fully understand exactly how is it possible that God exists in three different persons, However, seeking to understand the relationship and the harmony between the three of them can have incredible positive impact on our spiritual lives. That wraps it up for this episode of Theology for the Rest of Us. I promise in the future, we will cover a variety of other topics that are related to the Trinity and answer more of your questions. If by chance you happen to have a question you would like to have answered on the podcast related to this topic or any other topic, shoot me an email, heyortiz at theologyfortherestofus.com. Again, that's H-E-Y-O-R-T-I-Z at TheologyForTheRestOfUs.com. Or you can connect with me on Twitter at Kenneth Ortiz. Our intro and outro music has been I'm Shipping Out the Boston by the Dropkick Murphys. I'm Kenny Ortiz, and this has been Theology for the Rest of Us.